Our text is in Numbers, Numbers 14, and I'll read from verse 39 to the end of the chapter, seven verses. Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain, saying, Here we are, and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword. Because you have turned away from the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in that mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that your word would edify us, would strengthen us, especially in our faith, that we would rely upon you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last time we spoke of the spies going into the land and so the 12 came back after 40 days and gave a good report of what's in the land. It is a good land. But 10 said, we ought not to go because there are giants in that land and we'll be defeated. And yet, Caleb and Joshua advocated that they go. And in the end, we know that uh, the 10 prevailed and the people would not attack. And so today, we are reading what happened next. So when I read in verse 39, when I started, it said, Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. What is it that Moses told the people? And we have it earlier in our text, and I'll start at, uh, let me see, verse uh, 30. This is what God had told only Moses and Aaron. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. So this had been told to Moses and Aaron and now he's conveyed it to the people and the people mourned greatly. So the people are influenced by the penalty for their sin, they had not been motivated, however, by the command of God to go until they later learned of the penalty that they'd have to face now, that they had disobeyed. So let me start at verse 40. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain, saying, Here we are, and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. So now they're ready. They're ready a day late. And God is not going to bless them. And Moses knows this, and over the next three verses, he tells them four things, and he says it very strongly. You are disobeying God. You will not succeed because the Lord is not with you, and your enemies will defeat you. Now, I believe in the context, you can see that the Amalekites and Canaanites have now dug in. If they had attacked when God had told them to, they would have been victorious. Now, that, he would, they would have been victorious regardless of the fact that the Amalekites and Canaanites had been dug in. But the text 
conveys that the Amalekites and the Canaanites before had been in the valley, but now they're dug in above them. They've, they have the high ground. But the people refuse to abide by what Moses said in verse 44. But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. So they are not blessed in this endeavor. They're pursuing it uh, just based on their own volition. And the Amalekites and the Canaanites drive them back. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in that mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. Now what's interesting about this, this attack and driving them back, is that already we see God's word being fulfilled that he had declared the day before would happen. And you, if you read in verse 32, it says, But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. So the children, your children, who you said you want to take back to Egypt because I could not protect them, they will see the promised land. You, however, will not, and your carcasses will fill this land. And then it begins, because with their presumption in attacking, they are repelled, and I'm sure many of them died. And here now are their bodies lying out in the open. So now, what's interesting about this is the very day before, they had lacked faith in God's ability to defeat the Amalekites and the Canaanites. And in their fear, they refused to do what they were urged to do by the leadership. Now, suddenly, they have faith, faith enough to attack. What is the source of their faith? What is the object of their faith? That's the question we ask. What is it that motivated to do the second day, them to do the second day what they refused to do the first day? Nothing has changed other than the fact that they've been now abandoned by God. So foolishly, they attack. They had rejected the wisdom of Moses the day before, who is much more informed and much more holy and much more in tune with God's will. They rejected God himself through Moses. So where is their faith? It is in themselves. They have greater faith in themselves and their own might than they do in God's might that has been demonstrated to them over and over again over the previous two-year period. Yet, their faith is misplaced. So see, this decision that they had the day before and this day is all from their own warped sense of right and wrong, their warped sense of ethics. And it's this that you can trace all the way back to Eve in her deciding, I will pursue what I think is right and wrong as opposed to what God tells me is right and wrong. Regardless of blessing, regardless of cursing, I'll do what I want. So now, why do they have such confidence? How can they uh, have such confidence in themselves? It all revolves around self. It is self-love, self-righteousness, ultimately self-worship. They are the highest authority in their own estimation. They refuse to bow to God the day before, and now in their presumption, they are striking out on their own, despite the warning that they will not succeed. So they are in their own strength, and in their own strength, they act foolishly, just as we all do. 
when we sin against God's will. So now, all of this, the self-love, the self-righteousness, we reject this when we come to the table, because in the table we know that Christ's sacrifice is sufficient to cover our sins, not ours alone. I was speaking with uh, Micah yesterday about uh, the Mormon faith and about the Roman Catholic faith and how they are both based on a works righteousness that there is this grace that is required for salvation, for entrance into heaven, that we can, our works result in filling up and our sins result in taking away. And so we have the responsibility to ensure that that is full enough to get us into heaven before we leave this earth. And even then, even then, if it isn't quite full enough, we can spend time in purgatory and our loved ones that we leave behind on the earth, a good reason to be kind to those that you leave behind on the earth, they can pray us out of purgatory and into heaven. And so all of that is so far off from biblical wisdom and biblical truth because that has to do with justifying faith. That grace is a gift of God entirely, not of works lest man should boast. They confuse sanctifying grace with justifying grace, and it is, has been done over and over and over again, and I'm sure will be done over and over and over again, and yet we ought not to do that. We ought to know better. We ought to train our children to know better. So as we come to the table, we partake of Christ's grace alone by faith. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the gift of Christ, for the blood and the body that uh, withstood your wrath such that we could enter into your presence. Be absolved and cleansed of sin and be considered righteous uh, in his name's sake. And so we now bow before you, Lord. We thank you for all of your many promises. We thank you for honoring those and we thank you for drawing us close into yourself and promising us eventual entrance into heaven, into that promised land. In Christ's name we pray, amen.